1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 to 33 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Everybody said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. In verse 31, this is the core text that Pastor Jeremy talked about. He talked about the text, and I think he kind of ended on verse 31 because that was the major focus of what his heart had ministered. And I want to say as a tremendous encouragement and even as it were an envy of who the man of God is and his ability to wax through the scriptures and give us understanding. You know, he taught what is called exegesis or uh, proliferated or he, he explained, he interpreted the scriptures, he studied them and what he started out with wasn't what he ended with because he took from what God gave him in the study. So he taught it, exegesis, the text. And he left us with this thought, the filter of life. The what? The what? And he said that in verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And he said that ought to be the filter of our lives. He said that ought to be the what? Of our lives. Amen. Romans chapter 3, starting with verse 20 to 23. For no one can ever be made right with God. By doing what the law commands. I promise you can take that sheet home. All. Uh, hello, amen. I promise y'all can take that sheet home. You don't have to turn it in at the door. But since that's yours, y'all go ahead and give me your attention right quick because I only got a few more minutes. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I know y'all students, y'all like, I, I need you with me, all right, real quick. I promise, amen. Thank you. Listen, for no one can, can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ, in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Y'all, some of y'all left like y'all telephone. Some of y'all left y'all hallelujah and y'all amen. Y'all need to, you know what, substitute it, all right? Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say mm, that's a good word. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay, good. You got you to gotta throw those in. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Notice what 23 says. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. All other translations, English translations put it like this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the what? Last week I shared that this verse can be viewed not as judgmental, but rather a truth that qualifies us for verses 20 to 22. That's a good word, wasn't it? Didn't that free us? Amen. Took us from up under that condemnation. Good to see you, sir. Listen, so let's go back to what 20 to 22 says. Can I get you to do that? Say today is preaching. Good, good, good. Look. For no one, this is, now, what does 23 qualify us for? Verse 23 qualifies us for this. For no one can ever be made, can you read it with me? Ready, said, read. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Isn't that good? Read. 
The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And that's probably why some of us are afraid of the Bible or afraid of God because we don't want anybody to tell us that we're wrong. I just want to make sure I get as many eyes as I can. How many understand we don't have a problem with God? We have a concern with God telling us of something that we've done wrong. Because that might mean we have to do something different. And I'm back. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. This sounds like something I want. Guess what it is? We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Look at this. And this is true for everyone who what? For everyone who what? Does right. For everyone who? Does right. For everyone who? No matter who we are. Somebody say amen. amen. Say, that includes me. Amen. Praise God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11 says this. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of us, you, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Here's what verse 11 says. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do, everything you do, will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Good word, isn't it? So, let us listen to today's continuing message through the filter of God's eye and God's why. Let's listen through God's what? And God's good. Last week, I didn't get to share with you what I told you the message was about. So here is the title. It's worth your writing. It's worth your download. This is the title, the thesis, the theme, and I'll share with you how it's theological. Pleasing and glorifying God in our activities, our actions, and acts. Can I say that? Can you say that with me? Say it out loud. Say it hearty. Ready, set, go. Pleasing and glorifying God in our activities, Actions and acts. Praise God. That's the title. We're going to move forward. We have prayed, but let's pray. Father, I ask that you would continue as the woman of God shared, no matter where we are, even if some of us feel like in some areas, maybe not in every area, we're bound. But your word is not bound. Your word comes to free us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We talked about children a little bit last week, and I just want you to reemphasize this. I'm not going to go over it all because I want to introduce something new. 
Children are filled with splendor. Children love the wonder. Children are all about the discovery. How many understand children see so many things through the eyes of God or through the eyes of wonder or splendor or newness, right? Uh, me and Pastor Anthony was with a young man the other day, and, uh, and, and we were trying to think of something nice we could do for him, whatever, as we are going to talk to him, whatever. And, and he sa I said, hey, let's, let's, go to Orange, let's go to Orange Leaf, you know, let's, let's go to Orange Leaf. Is that okay for you? He says, yeah. I said, or would you like to rather go to Cold Stone? He said, can we go to Cold Stone? I never been there before. My mom wanted to take me there, but something always come up. I called Pastor Ann and said, Cold Stone. Right? Because there's a sense of wonder. There's a sense of newness. And God wants us to be like children to see him as not say, oh yeah, that's God. Right? Or, woo, need some money. Hey God, hey, hey, God, Father, Daddy. Right? I mean, understand, every new day ought to be like, oh, what's God going to do today? Is everybody with me? When you're in prayer, you know what? I don't know if I ever said this to God, so I'll say this now. There ought to be a sense of wonder, a sense of discovery, a sense of splendor about going to God. Everybody said amen. amen. So therefore, we understand they are fascinating and can learn through open-hearted and fun and games and songs and sports. Last week, we talked about Red Rover, Red Rover. Last week, we talked about Father Abraham had many sons. And from that song, it became a seed and some continuation of fertilization of how Luke even got saved the next day. Today, I want to refer to something that is a new game, not a new game, a game that's been going on for many, many years, considered to be one of the first games that children play. 58% of the families play it, and 65% of those families said that they played it when they were a child. If you're a parent in here, guaranteed you've played this game. If you've ever been in a car, you've ever been in an airport, you've ever been in a lobby, you ever did anything, you've done this with children. Are you with me? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I spy with my little eye. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a game changer right there, right? How many of you that can go from ah to oh, uh, uh, I, is, it, is, it, is it the bird? Or how many of you understand, man? I mean, it changes the room. It changes the atmosphere. Don't it, Brother John? It changes everything. Amen? And please don't think that you're going to be driving from here to, you know, far away. You better hurry up and get you an eye spy. Amen? Right? I spy with my little eye. A guessing game based upon whose turn it is, the spy sees something that the others ask questions to call out what the spy saw. I want to say that in this simple little childhood game, say, I spy with my little eye. Say that with me. I spy with my little eye. Amen? And I want to ask this question, what do you see? Turn to your neighbor and say, what do you see? Amen? I spy with my little eye. What do you see? Pleasing and glorifying God in our activities, our actions, and our acts, this is also the thesis. Not only is it our title, but it's also the thesis of what we're going to be sharing. Let us now look again at Exodus chapter 33. I've cut off some verses. I want you to see this, though. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people? If you don't go with us, for your presence among us sets your people. Look at this. When God goes with us, God is with us. This sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. 
Moses responded, then show me your glory. Then show me your glory. Can I get everybody to say that? Show me your what? Amen. Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all, look at these things that are underlined. This is what God says to him. The Lord says, I will make all of my what? Pass before you and I will call out my Yahweh before you. For I will show to anyone I choose and I will show to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock as my glorious presence passes by. I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see from behind. But my face will not be seen. We want to remind you that what we did is we looked at several things of what Moses had seen in his life. He had lived in the Egyptian palace and its riches. He had seen the burning bush in his call. He used the stick in his hand, which whatever he had became what was miraculous to use for his need. He called, and as um, Elder talked about the Passover, being outside of the law, being outside of it, but it was that blood covenant. And that's why we still claim and appropriate the blood today because the blood, I love it. He said it as plain as we can understand it. The Passover and the blood is for protection. Hallelujah. Do, does anybody ever need any protection in their life? Is there ever any situation that you've gone through that you need just a little shelter, a little refuge, some kind of help? Maybe you got too far out that you didn't want to know to, but you knew how to turn 180 and go back to a place of refuge. Has anybody ever needed a little shelter? Hallelujah. So we talked about the Red Sea and how it parted miraculously. It came back on the Egyptians. We talked about the bitter waters made sweet by the tree, the tree looking of a symbol as a cross. Listen, so in our reflection and review for study, out of all that Moses had seen, why would he, let alone we, want to still see his glory? Has Jesus ever done anything for anybody here? Can I see a hand or two? Amen. We all agree. We, we, we come to agree that, right? Has Jesus ever, ever get you out of something? <laughs> Never been in anything, huh? Bro? Oh, I'm just checking, bro. <laughs> Kept your hand down. I, you know, some of us never go through anything, amen? <laughs> all right, thank you, amen. I, I definitely got a nice little amen over there, praise God. Listen to this. The question is, God, are you real? Or is this just all made up? Is this all just religion of some sort? God, I want to see if you are real. What makes you you? God, what makes you what? Amen. What makes you you? The question is, what is glory? And what is the glory of God? This document that you have helps us understand this. Let's not turn to it yet. I've got this abbreviated on the uh, screen. So let's take a look at that. Here's what's applicable and relevant, inspiring truth. Glory in this context is revealed as to be heavy. It deals with weightiness, specifically the weight of his riches, the weight of his power, and the weight of his position. When you talk about God's glory, woman of God, we're talking about the weight of his riches, the weight of his power, the weight of his position. And this comes to a kind of point that we talk about called 
The law of the first named or the law of the first spoken, the law of the first said, the law of the first said. When you're reading the scriptures, sometimes one of the things you want to understand is you want to go back to the very first time it was ever said. Everybody with me? The way you study scripture and the way you get to understand God, in this case, we're wanting to know more about his glory. What is the glory? What is the glory? We want to know what? What is the? What is the? We want to see it, but what is it? So therefore, one of the things we can do and understand, well, what was, when was the first time it was mentioned? What was the first time that this word was used? What did it mean? What was the context of it? And it was found in Exodus chapter 16, verse 7. And in the morning, you will see the, you will see the what? Glory of the Lord. So from the very beginning, the first time you ever see it is something that you can see. Everybody see that? So the glory is something that you can what? Glory is something that you can see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your murmurings against the Lord. As for us, what are we that we should murmur against us? And so therefore the text is this. This is the first time it was mentioned because there was a high need. This is when the children of Israel didn't have food, didn't have substance, didn't have something. And the Moses goes and says, listen, for tomorrow you're going to see the glory of God. In other words, you're going to see the weightiness of it. You're going to see his power. You're going to see how rich God is. You think we out here in the wilderness and you don't have anything to eat? Man, wake up tomorrow. You're going to have more than you can understand. Are you with me? How many of you want us to understand that kind of glory? Where you go to sleep one day and you wake up the next day and you see the glory of God manifested. You get the phone call that makes the difference. You get the mail that makes the difference. You see something happen in your life. There's no way. It's undeniable that it was nobody else but God. Let me tell you what that is. Don't be so Thank you, Grandma, for sending that check. Thank you, God, for you saw my need and you showed me your glory. You knew I had a need and you showed up. I saw it for myself. I can't deny this. I don't know every scripture, but I I do know this. There's no way out of this situation, but your glory showed up. Show me more of your glory. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So therefore, when we talk about it, it means the radiant brightness of light. The radiant brightness of light. The glory of God not only deals with his riches, his weightiness, but it deals with the radiant brightness of light. Can you say that with me? Radiant brightness of light. When you really boil it down, and this is shown off the cliff note version of the message, his intrinsic and eternal perfections, the sum and substance of all of his attributes, the totality of all of his inherited majesty. God's glory is who he is, what he possesses, and what he is like. God's glory is God himself in his essential being. His glory, in essence, is his splendor, his majesty, his position. And when you see it, it shows up in the form of radiant, bright light. Oh, God. To see God is to receive his light. His radiant. I want you to get this. 
This gives you a whole new understanding of the scriptures. If you're listening right now, how can God help me? We're trying to share with you. He comes in the form of his glory. The way God comes and blesses is in the form of his what? You want his glory. His radiant, bright light. Everybody with me? So you say, show me his glory. Amen. The theological study, please read this on your own, and I've highlighted it for you, and the ones that were indented are the ones I could have read during the message. But theological story approach. The knowledge undergirding our understanding of why glory is a life directive. Last week I called it a life directive. It's a filter, and it's a deterrent from missing the glory, like in Romans 3.23, and being distracted. When we understand and we get, underst- when we get undergirded with what the glory is, then it becomes something that we want to live for, and it allows us to not be distracted. Somebody say amen. So I've shared with you what is the glory and what the glory of God is. Again, we're jumping through the message because we like to get out on t- as close to on time as possible. What is glorifying God? Please make sure you read that sheet. It has all the studies and all the scriptures you want to check out. But what I want to do is I want to share with you and I want to keep going in Exodus 34. So in Exodus 33, God and Moses have this dialogue and they come to the conclusion that, you know what, I'm going to put you on a rock. And then I'm going to put my hand upon you. I'm going to pass by you, and you're going to see my behind parts, but I can't let you look at me directly and live. So how many understand God is faithful to what he said he's going to do? I don't know if anybody ever seen this before. Many of us, especially in our spirit-filled circles, we're all about the glory, right? I mean, we want glory, right? But did you realize that God fulfilled it one time at least in, verse, in chapter 34? So it ends on show me the glory in the end of chapter 33. But if you keep reading chapter 34, he goes further. Watch what it says. Then the Lord told Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets you smashed. Be ready in the morning to climb up Mount Sinai. Be ready in the morning to climb up Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on the top of the mountain. No one else may come with you. In fact, no one is to appear anywhere on the mountain. Do not even let the flocks or herds graze near the mountain. Now, how many of you know that's really something? Amen. So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning, he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. Is everybody with me? And he called out his own name. Don't forget what was said in chapter 33. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord did what? He passed in front of Moses, calling out. He does exactly what he said he was going to do in chapter 33. Look what he does. He calls out his name, Yahweh, the Lord. Now, I want you to see these things. The God of who? And I am And fill with, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. Look what he says. I do what? I what? Rebellion and sin. I forgive what? But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay their sins on the parents upon their, the grandchildren, and the entire family is affected. 
I want you to catch this in the New King James Version. It says this, the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for a thousand's forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin by no means clearing the guilty. The very being and essence of who God is. These particular verses, can I get your attention? These particular verses give us understanding of who God is. He says, show me your glory. Don't forget, the glory is essentially who he is. So then he gives us this description these characteristics about who God is. God is merciful. Say amen if you can. God is gracious. God is long-suffering, patient. God is abounding in what? Goodness and truth. This is who God is. God's mercy to a thousand is forgiving iniquity. God forgives iniquity and transgression of sins. But notice what it says, by no means clearing the guilty. Now, sometimes that can scare us or make us afraid. But let me understand what this means. It means in order for God to be just and in order for God to be true, when there is wrong, it has to be penalized. Everybody with me? But Jesus took that penalty of sin, and we don't have to. So therefore, Jesus steps in and takes the penalty, and all of these things are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Somebody say, praise God. Listen. The very being and essence of who God is. So much so that many theologians explain that this passage of Scripture is the passage of Scripture that is repeated multiple times throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Why? Because it was at this particular place that the revelation of who God is was given. Therefore, the prophets, the Psalms, and what and goes on throughout other judges is that this particular passage is repeated in these words because when we want to know the glory of God, we want to know his essence, his being. Can I count on him? What am I going to get if I go to him? If he shows up with me in glory, then what is it going to be like? I tell you what it's going to be like when God shows up with his glory. It's going to show up in mercifulness. He's going to show up in graciousness. When God shows up, he's going to be patient with you. When God shows up, he's going to be forgiving with you and abounding in goodness. When the glory of God shows up, this is the goodness of God showing up in our lives when we have need of him. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. So when you say, show me the glory, you're saying, God, show up the way you've been consistent with everybody else. That's a good word. That is a good clap. Look at this. Even children in the third and fourth generations, Moses immediately threw himself. Look at the response. Oh, I wish I could preach this. Moses immediately threw himself on the ground and what? When God showed up with his glory, passed before him, fulfilled everything he just said, reveals to him who he is, what is the response of Moses? What should be our response? And he said, oh, Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. And everybody said, praise God. Come on, give God a big praise. Awesome. We keep going. Amen. Why don't you go up in five minutes? Pleasing and glorifying God in our activities, actions, and acts. Everybody read it with me. Ready, said, read. Pleasing and glorifying God in our activities, actions, and acts, right? 
So how is this theological, Pastor? Are you ready for this? The reason this is theological is because of the pamphlet that's in your hand. But this is theological, hugely studied, and needs to be understood right now. Listen to this. The Word. We see Jesus Christ is the glory of God. The Word. We see. We what? See. We what? See. Jesus Christ is the glory of God. John chapter 1 verse 1 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was what? And the life was the, look at that, was the what? Light of men. He, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines into the, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Is everybody with me? Jesus Christ, the Word, is the glory of God. Oh, I wish I could show this to you. John chapter 1, verse 14 in the Amplified Bible. This is great, magnificent preaching. Not because of me, but because of how sound this is. Look at this. And the Word, Christ, became flesh, human, incarnate, and the tabernacle, he fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw his what? We saw his what? His honor, his majesty, such glory as an only begotten son receives from his father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. So therefore, all those things we read in Exodus 34, when Jesus shows up incarnate in the flesh, and he is the glory of God, he showed up in long-suffering, he showed up in grace, he showed up in forgiveness, he showed up in sacrifice. Jesus is the glory of God that was revealed to Moses, and Jesus is the fulfillment of it. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Oh, my God. Some of y'all, I'm still trying to convince. I don't mind. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Look at this. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. The light, the what? The light being. The outraying of radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature upholding and maintaining and guiding the propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. When he had, by offering himself, accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high. Jesus, the word, is the glory of God. Look at what it says. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outrain of radiance of the divine. Jesus is the glory of God. And I don't know if y'all understand this part, but listen. We saw him. We've got testimonies about him. And everything about him reveals to us who God is. Why? Because he is the glory of God. We're still talking about show me the glory. God says, I showed you the glory. I came in my son Jesus. Now we don't have to keep looking for the glory. We already see the glory because the glory is in 
Jesus. And Jesus is the Word. And the Word causes us to see Jesus. And Jesus causes us to see the glory. And the glory causes us to see His patience for you. It causes us to see His grace for you. The grace of Jesus is the glory of God. <laughs> the reason this is applicable and relevant inspiring truth Glory in this context is revealed as, look at this. I want to share that in our opening, pay attention, this is going somewhere. I want to share that in our opening and main text today, they reveal glorifying God and the connected context is serving to save people like you and me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in 1 Peter chapter 4. They both, listen, I'm not outside the text. They both reveal whatsoever you do, do it to the glory of God. And they both are connected to the text of serving, being hospitable, giving. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, I don't do this for myself. I do all that I do that some might be saved. Did I catch that? <laughs> I want to state, you and me do not have a sin problem nor a glory problem because Jesus Christ is the Savior from sin and Jesus is the light. Isn't that good? Receive salvation and life into his glory. Look at this. Called from darkness to marvelous light called from darkness into his marvelous light. This was the revelation of Red Rover, Red Rover. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. That's what Moses prayed for him to do. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own special possession. As a result, you can show others, look, you can show others the goodness of God. You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Jesus called us from darkness. Oh, I know we don't like to think about it or remember it, but God can use it. Because we once was in darkness, but now we're in light. How many understand we may not have been born in light? We were born in darkness. Some of us tiptoeing, some of us hiding, some of us abused, some of us pushed back, rejected, some of us made bad decisions. We were in darkness, but when the glory of God showed up about 2,000 years ago in a man, Jesus, he is the glory of God. And ever since then, I have the opportunity to go from darkness into his marvelous light. Come on and give God a praise offering. Pleasing and glorifying God in our activities, our actions, and our acts. Why is this the theme? Listen, I know you're listening quickly. Here's the theme. When you talk about pleasing, we're talking about faith. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to what? Without Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those that sincerely seek him. 
So when we talk about pleasing and glorifying God in our activities, in our what? In our, come on, everybody, in our what? We're talking about our recreations, our events, and our gatherings. When we talk about glorifying God in our actions, we're talking about our choices, our behavior, and our lifestyles. When we talk about pleasing and glorifying God in the acts, we're talking about the acts of the Holy Spirit. How many understand that God wants to move supernaturally among us? How many of you want to see the glory of God manifested? Is everybody with me? I only think I got about two more slides. You got to see them. Turn the lights down, if you will. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. So let your light so shine before men that they may what? That they may what? Your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When we talk about lights, we talk about seeing, we talk about glorifying. When we shine as lights, we're talking about seeing. And as we talk about seeing, we're talking about glorifying. How do we see the glory of God by right light? A little science and animal understanding. Seeing light. Oh, you're going to love this. Visible light is just a part of the electromagnetic spectrum that our eyes can see. That our eyes what? That means there's a lot more light that our eyes can't see. Is everybody with me? There's more light than just this. This is just the amount of light that we can see. Is everybody with me? So that's what makes LED light so efficient, unlike incandescent bulbs. LEDs only emanate visible light. As I kept studying, I understood that snakes, they see light infrared. Some animals, like frogs, their eyes are so sensitive that they see much more than other things. So man builds electronic things to make, their, to make seeing like frogs' eyes. So in other words, through science, we understand there's so much more light than the light we see. Oh, let me tell you what that means. Jesus Christ clothed himself in flesh. Because if he did not, and he showed up in all of his light, with all of the spectrums of light, we wouldn't be able to look at him and survive and live. But what he did was he clothed himself, just like you and me, so that he would put on a filter, so that we would be able to see the glory of God, but not see all of the light that he has. That's why we understand on Mount Transfiguration, when he turned himself inside out, he was as bright as the sun, and there was so much light and white that they had to just worship as they knew Moses, Elijah, and Jesus was there. Why? Because God is the brilliant, radiant brightness of light. And when he shows up in our life, he has to dim himself down just enough for us to be able to receive him. But thanks be to God that he's so much more than the light we see. God can be anything you need him to be, everything you need him to be. Some of us need him as infrared. Some of us need him to be sensitive. Some of us need him to be LED. Some of us need to be incandescent. But whatever light God needs you to be, he'll show up and he will be the glory of God through his son, 
Jesus the Christ. Give the Lord a praise offering. Stand to your feet. We can see. I spy with my little eye. Jesus Christ. And what begins with a G? We see God himself, his brightness and radiance. My little eye, I see the glory of God. My little eye sees the goodness of God. My little eye sees the greatness of God, the grace of God, the going to God, and growing of God. Oh, I spy with my little eye. I see the glory of God. Somebody say amen. But you don't want to miss this. Look. But God says, I spy with my eternal eye. God wants to play the game with us. I don't know about you with your little child, but I just didn't let Luke and Tiana play the game. Me and Sister Anna played too. And God the Father wants to play the game with us. So God is saying to us today, I spy with my eternal eye. And me and you are to receive what begins with L. With L, we receive his light. With an L, we receive his love. With an L, we receive his life. With an L, we receive his lordship. With an L, we receive his liberty. With the L, his letting go of everything that holds us back, holds you down, or holds me out. Let it go. I want the glory of God in my life.